Hello and welcome to this Ealing Trail Finders 1871 podcast two-part special with me, Jeremy Inson. We are looking back to a year ago when a match took place at Trailfinder Sports Club that, for anyone involved, will never be forgotten. I'm John Fennon and on the 8th of October 2021, I was technically dead for six minutes after collapsing from a cardiac arrest whilst playing rugby. That's John. He's pretty central to everything we're going to be talking about. But let's go back to a cold October evening when Ealing Trailfinders Evergreens were taking on UCS Old Boys on the main pitch at Trailfinders Sports Club. It's early in the second half and Ealing have a line-out in the UCS half. Ealing number 8 John is waiting for play to restart, but then without warning, he collapses to the turf unconscious. I kind of remember everything building up to the game and, and the game itself, but I think it was around about the 60th minute. I've been told there was no, um, there was no kind of warning. You know, you see in the movies, you clutch your your chest and you writhe around for a little while, and it, it was just instant. It was it was just lights out. But the moment that that the trigger was pulled, so to speak. Um, but I've heard that we were walking to our, towards a line out, and I've just it was like a sniper. Apparently, just pulled the trigger, and and I was gone. By chance, Justin Green, eating scrum half that night, is a doctor with 15 years working for the National Health Service to his name. He immediately began mouth-to-mouth and chest compressions and was joined by teammates Brendan O'Flaherty, Eddie Beck and Paul Jackson. He was walking on his own and then he just just kind of keeled over and and when people fall over like that, it it wasn't a kind of careful collapse if you see it I mean you know you're going to go down so you put your hand down I mean he literally just keeled over with this kind of grunt so I checked his pulse and I didn't couldn't find it and I thought well that's because I'm just inept and so checked it somewhere else and then he didn't have a a pulse and then then you just as we'll come on to you just go into autopilot to a certain extent it seemed to take an age because i i think i i there's something called a pricordial thump which you 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 when someone goes down you you try and hit them on the sternum so we did one of those and that allegedly i've never seen it work um gives a little bit of electricity to the to the heart and might just jolt them back into normal rhythm but um so i did that and i i'd started cpr by the time then people come came round. While Dr Green led attempts to revive John, his opposite number, Sid Young, was racing across the pitch towards the changing rooms. He was going for the defibrillator machine. By chance, Sid had completed training that week at work and he reached Dr Green and the others, immediately joining them in the fight to keep John alive. I sort of looked toward the clubhouse, see if anyone might be heading in for a, for a defibrillator. Given that Elian is the lovely club that it is and it's got that nice clubhouse and everything in there i figured it would be one of the places that that might have one um and then i couldn't really see if anyone else was going for it and so yeah me me being the young sprightly one just sort of you know ran over and and tried looking for it someone actually had gone over to the bar um uh and and got it from behind the bar wherever else it might have been I'm, i'm not sure exactly where it was um by the time i sort of got to the doorway of the clubhouse really and then I just snatched it off their hands and, and ran over toward where John was. Sid's arrival with a defib meant everyone had to stop while the machine was prepared. 
After administrating one shock, mouth-to-mouth -mouth and heart compression started again. You actually have to stop all of the CPR and allow the machine to do its special magic, right? Because it's fully automated and that's a horrible time because you know that you're not giving any oxygen or any circulation to the person. It was clear that me and Sid knew, knew what to do and we kind of, you know, we could tell that we were better at coordinating what was going on. So you get people into little teams, right? And you, you try to make sure that people only do one or two rounds of CPR and swap rounds. So those, those were, and then you want someone doing the mouth to mouth and someone doing the chest compressions. It shocked him. And then the challenge for me, and that's when I got really worried, was that then you, you, normally you, you would then check the pulse afterwards. And generally you expect after a shock for the pulse to come back. Um, and it didn't. And I know then we restarted the CPR and we did two further rounds of CPR. Using a defibrillator is designed for anyone to use, whether they've had training using it or not, with step-by-step -step instructions for its use. Once we got the defib on, that was a scary moment when it said, you know, shock advised. Then it was like, right, okay, we've definitely not, you know, misdiagnosed this. He's not got a pulse. So you have to press the button and then we... You press the button and it's, it, it is exactly like in the films you know when they like jolt up off the floor <laughs> and we all sort of collectively sort of jumped ourselves at the at the, at the shock of it and then um yeah it, it said carry on with the compressions and the and the breaths and sort of between us you know um everyone sort of rotated around and carried on with that for a little while and uh then he came to after about six minutes of life-saving efforts dr green found a pulse and soon after, John began breathing again. Coming to and um, Justin kind of being in my face and me kind of obviously very discombobulated looking at him and he just went, mate, you've, you've had a heart attack. And I kind of just, I think I, I broke out into a smile because it was the most alien thing. <laughs> I thought that I'd suffered concussion and I've already had two concussions, maybe even three playing rugby. So when he was kind of leaning over me saying, you've had a heart attack, I, I kind of was thinking, oh, he means a concussion. And I was, I was kind of hoping, and this sounds really, really weird, because I know that after two or three concussions, you, you probably won't be able, well, after three or four concussions, you, you won't be able to play rugby again. And my overriding feeling was, I still want to play rugby. So when he was kind of saying to me, you've had a heart attack, I was kind of like, at least it's not a concussion because having had two or three of them already, I probably won't be able to play rugby. If it's a heart attack and I'm now alive, at some point I can play rugby again. Club chairman Steve Weeks had called 999 and a first responder quickly arrived to help make John more comfortable before an ambulance arrived to take him to Hammersmith Hospital. The use of the defib and the immediate start of cardiopulmonary resuscitation meant that John had the best chance of survival. Then his pulse came back and then his breathing came back much more slowly. Um, so that, so, and then, and then he started to come round and he was, you know, he's kind of trying to sit up and we just went into lie still. And then, then he just got better and better and better. And actually um, he was sitting up by the time the ambulance arrived. While leading trail finders are in the fortunate position of having a defib, there are many rugby and sports clubs around the country that don't have one. It means that if anyone on their ground suffer a cardiac incident, they won't receive the care that John did. John, Sid and Justin are now working with the Richmond Heavies Foundation, who are trying to ensure that every sports club in the country 
has access to a defibrillator machine. Wednesday, I was doing a course at work and, you know, we'd had a go at defibs and stuff like that. And they were highlighting how important they are. Um, the, the trainer actually said to me that uh, I think it's a 7% survival rate with traditional sort of CPR, you know, your compressions and your, and your breaths and stuff like that. But that goes up to 70 if you've got um, a defib. The availability of the defib, you know, it saved his life. You know, it wasn't really us. Absolutely, the defib saved his life because, as I said, the ambulance took quite a long time to turn up. And, and who knows, if, the, if he hadn't been shocked by the time the ambulance turned up, he may not have had quite the same outcome. That was part one of our Ealing Trailfinders 1871 podcast special. Head straight on to part two as John tells us what happened after he was taken to hospital.